0: Hi podcast listeners, thanks so much for coming to visit my eco-friendly home today. I'm your host, Madison Hopkins, and I'm so delighted to have you. When you're a guest in my eco-friendly home, I want you to walk away with tangible steps to reduce your home's emissions, live healthier, cleaner, save money, and of course, build community. So come on in and make yourself right at home. Oh goody, you brought those low sugar cookies I love, my favorite. Hi, podcast listeners. Welcome to today's episode with Michelle Iferson of Design Well Studios based in Portland, Oregon. Michelle and I know each other through our Latitude affiliate group, which is the real estate group that I'm with. And Michelle has been to a few meetings with us. So that's how we met. And she is very insightful, she's very knowledgeable, she's had a lot of experience in this business. And so we're gonna to get to know all about that from Michelle. But just to give y'all a quick insight, Design Well Studios is an environmental wellness design and testing company. So that's what I'm gonna start us off with. There's a lot to unpack in just those few words. So thanks for being here today, Michelle.
1: Thanks for having me. It's really great to connect with you. When I was on the call with Alyssa and Neil with latitude and the The rest of you affiliate real estate people, you know, I saw that anytime I see anybody with eco or with a healthy home, you know, I've got to connect with you because that's been my mantra for many, many years. And, you know, I, I, I started doing this healthy home, sustainable products back in 2006 in Santa Barbara and a naturopathic doctor and I merged forces and started diving deeper into the connection between environment and health. And so just throughout the years, I mean, it's still an emerging, emerging field. And, and but I love that. I always love to be able to embark upon new challenges and new industries and, and educate people about certain things that they might not have heard about and to connect with those dots. But Envi- I've sort of k- kind of created the environmental wellness consulting thing coming from building biology. That's, that's been my, my study over the last few years, probably last 10 to 15 years. And, and something that's been around since, you know, after world war II, that's really where it started, where after many of the homes were annihilated, they started building these quick, you know, quick homes or boxes <laughs> uh, yes. with very inexpensive building materials and people started getting sick from. Him. and that's where the, the term sick building syndrome came from. And so back, back in Germany, this is kind of where it started. And um, not until like the 80s, it started becoming more of a, a learned industry where people were really applying it, applying it to their to their fields. But mm-hmm. it's still not a very recognizable industry. It's, it's, it's something that's In the U S it's not regulated. So it's really tough to not tough, but it's, it's been over the last few years, like it's been a constant education and I don't mind it. I love it. People are, but people are getting the word out. They they want their home more now with COVID, right? They're like, Oh, my house is there's something up. I'm just not well. And they're, they're more, have more awareness around their homes. And so I've been able to help a lot of people with that. So I want to ask, about the early history of
0: building biology. So if we would known about it since like, and what do you mean people started, like how did the building biology start? You said it because people were getting sick and they were like, who pointed out that, oh, it's because the materials in your house.
1: There's been a, well, it's been a, it's an, it's an investigative process back then trying to determine what the factors were because oftentimes people, they would go away on their vacation or, you know, be spending time away from home. And then then when they get home, they notice they weren't feeling so well. So, and through a deduction of a process that people are really, they were really trying to figure out, you know, why is this different? And then they started looking into the building materials with formaldehyde and, you know, toluene and a lot of polypropylene glycol, a lot of things that were coming into the environment that weren't in there before and with insulation and with paint, of course. So, and then the houses are being so tightly put together mm-hmm. when the older houses were, have a lot more breathability, the houses, and that's especially happening now that houses are there's, I have a client in uh, Virginia that has over you know, over a 10,000 square foot home and it's brand new. Wow. And it's and so I do virtual wellness assessments and we also have test kits that people can test themselves and we can talk about that. But when I was going over her reports, she told me that her house is just two years old and they've got the pre-engineered flooring, new paint, synthetic carpeting, and those three things alone. And then the house is so tightly sealed with all the spray foam insulation. So there's no breathability. And if your HVAC system does not have enough gusto to handle the off-gassing then that's where our lungs start start trying to um, filter them out and so that's when people start getting sick so
0: wow so what are some of the first steps that you would say to take in that situation like get an air purifier to sit in your house like a a hepa certified air filter
1: so I, I, I always like to test first. This is why we've come up with our well-built lab indoor air quality test kit. So you can test for over 500 different types of chemicals and formaldehyde isolated too, as well as you can test for mold with a different test. It's important to know the baseline, what you're dealing with first. So you can make recommendations on how to improve the indoor air quality. So if the, if the levels are... Just moderately raised or elevated, but the client's still having some issues. I always recommend a really good air purifier. I've been selling Austin air purifiers for years, and I love them. They're just there's no junk in them. They're fantastic. They're they work. They're the best VOC reducers in the market.
0: The Austin sure. air purifiers. I, when I looked early uh, last year, or maybe it was this year, but I was looking for an air purifier, and the Austin air purifiers were sold out online. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, that's what's happening because of all the fires. So they actually used to sell um, the smaller units, and they're completely not doing those anymore because people realize they, they want a bigger unit to be able to to handle what's going on in the outdoor air as well as the indoor air. So they're just they're just selling the standard sizes now. So that's all mm-hmm. we're doing. So yeah, that's that's that. So if it's like mildly elevated, I always recommend I always recommend indoor air quality or, um, air purifiers. If people have auto autoimmune, if they're having health issues, it just helps take it off your lungs. But if it's a significant issue and we do some mitigation for the home and when we test again, and the levels aren't quite where they're going and the client's still not feeling hundred percent, then I would recommend, you know, looking at the air system and how to, how to make that more of a filtered, how to filter that air better, how to, how to exchange the air better. So there are units that, that we recommend that, that help with that. So that's more of an extreme whole house solution.
0: Wow. That's very important to think about the whole house. And I actually was reading on your bio
1: that you went to med school. So no, I didn't. I wanted to go to med school, but I couldn't go to med school because I was going In doing my pre-med for anatomy class. And I went to the cadaver room to do identification and work on the lab. And the minute I walked in, I smelled the overwhelming fumes of formaldehyde. And I being exposed to mold when I was younger and having really bad allergies, my system could not handle that. And so that was just like this big no. (laughs) So I went to art school (laughs) <laughs> okay. so I have a lot of pre-science that background that I love science and I'm very curious I love the, he- the healing I've 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 you know go to acupuncture I know uh, naturopathic. doctor I've done this whole all of that realm for me and my family but I personally couldn't go through the cadaver lab so I had to pull that
0: <laughs> that makes more sense that it was in pre-med because I I guess if you were in medical school you would have already done the
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. No, that was, yeah. It was just a pre thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was a discovery phase of trying to figure out what I wanted to do, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to ask how that ties into your whole health health wellness, but it sounds like you just said it, you know, you're very in tune with the body
1: and also you're very curious about science. So. Right. And I'm a designer. So I ended up going to design school and I'm designing for, you know, the web for experiences. So my, my background is customer experience architecture. So, you know, going through and understanding the the process of the ethnography, how people operate and do things. And so I apply that. I've applied that in the past through online applications, through web, through software development. And then later I started applying it to environments. So now as a designer, I work together with my clients to understand how they function and operate in their space and how to support them. So they're feeling, you know, with biophilic design, that's a whole nother element that I, that I work with with people is, is bringing in the, the natural elements. So they, with lighting, with acoustics, with plantscapes, with artwork that stimulates nature, natural textures and things like that too. So they can, I wish you could see the other side of my office because it's all filled. Yeah, (laughs) I'll have to sit, I'll send you a picture. But it's, it's all, it's all beautiful, beautiful paintings that my mom, who's a landscape architect, she's turned painter, has done. So this is, this would be actually biophilic art that it, it evokes that sense of, well-being because it simulates nature listeners
0: um, michelle just held up a really beautiful painting that her mom did y'all just heard that of basically like a close-up of leaves and i think it'd be great yeah send a couple photos and i would love to include that on some of the instagram
1: posts yeah yeah it's great because oftentimes people are like i have no green thumb i kill plants you know i can't i i just you know it's hard for me to take care of them so having a beautiful piece of artwork, whether it's a photograph or a painting that simulates nature, you know, it's still it still evokes that that feeling. And then you know having a having a view of nature, like my husband just put in this window I'm showing you, sort of, and to bring in natural light. So this back bedroom that we just converted into our office after COVID had just one little window over here. I'm like, there's no way in hell that I'm gonna be working in here to be inspired. I can't go into just a a back bedroom and be inspired. I got to like make that environment inspiring. Mm -hmm. So I've been, I've been doing that for many years and I've done a couple of really cool design competitions where, and I'll I'll send you this picture too. I don't know if you can see that.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. So podcast listeners, I'm going to do my best to describe this to y'all. This is a space you created, Michelle.
1: Yeah. So it was a design competition called Serving Up Style, Molly's Fund Fighting for Lupus. And so it was kind of modeled after Dine by Design, which is uh, the fundraiser for AIDS in New York, where designers picked just a. we were just in the expo space at the, this is a big, huge warehouse of just concrete floors and nothing. And so they've just, with curtains, they just did a 15 by 15. And so our thing was modern nature knows best.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: that happened before I really put the biophilic design. I didn't even knew that term was coined. I didn't even know about that. So I've been doing this for a while. So that, that design won the sustainability and people's choice award. Over like 20,000 people voted. It was pretty cool. And um, so we did all natural elements. We, we built this aqueduct underneath the glass table and we put a, a pump in there to show flowing water. And then we had these little, it was kind of crazy, these little lily pads in there. Then we had these beautiful planters with plantscapes. We had the second, it's called second glass. I don't know if they're still doing it. These panels of glass that were taken from the bus, from the buses, the glass from the buses that it, had that it cracked. So it's basically free material. And then they just injected dye into the cracks. And it, so it looked like a waterfall. It was super pretty. And then had a fan that showed you know, the, the air movement of the curtains and we had all natural furniture and stuff. So we got all this stuff donated and then we put it together. And even the flooring, actually, I still, I'll, I'll send you the picture of the, of what we did with the flooring now, but the flooring were these, just these um, recycled planks that we got at the rebuilding center that we painted white. So we made the flooring of that itself in a platform. And now they're my bookcases at our house. Oh, so kind cool. I'll have to show you some of that but Not it so was a great fun. experience. And, 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 you know, people really flock to that, our, our, our competition because, or our, our design, because I think that it is, it's really cool to show the elements of nature and just in a, and lighting too, obviously lighting was really important. And then I did another competition a, a couple of years later where we did what's called botaniculture, culture, bringing the outside in. And yeah, I love it. It's, it's a, it's a really great way to design. You know, I work with people who are, are, have environmental illnesses and they are trying to heal and, but they can't really leave their home. So I help them, you know, have their home be more of an inspiring healing place by introducing, you know, lighter colors more more better lighting that's more supportive when they wake up in the morning what do they look at so just just little twists a little little hacks like that can really help someone you know take that next step towards healing
0: so with the environmental illnesses talk to us a little bit about that because i'm i'm certain there's people out there maybe not my listeners maybe my listeners I don't know who are kind of like, I don't know about that. Like, what do you mean? Environmental illness, like pish posh. So can you talk to us a little bit more about that? I mean, it definitely derives from the harsh chemicals and inhaling those and touching those like known carcinogens in our cleaning products and absorbing that into our skin, breathing it in through our lungs. So there is science and studies behind it. But yeah, what do you have to say about all that?
1: So I can just give it a a perfect example. And I've used this example before that I worked together with a woman who had for 12 years, ever since she bought the home, her home, that was brand new, she's suffered incredible debilitating illness. They, she was tested for Lyme disease and I believe with mold, I'm not sure with mold. That's another thing. Let's definitely talk about mold. But when I went in there and tested 12 years later, after they bought the house, the formaldehyde levels were off the charts still. And it's a newer home, like I was telling you, and then it's so sealed up. So she got, I believe this is my belief because she had no other illness before and she came into this home. So people may not have an illness now, but if you put yourself into a brand new home and it's all sealed up tight and you don't have the best indoor air quality, you know, it's potentially possible to get very sick from it if you don't know. So anyway, she was in this home sick from the home, maybe, I'm not, I'm speculating, obviously, I'm not a doctor, but she was in that home for 12 years, just breathing all the chemicals. Gosh. And clearly they were a lot higher initially, right? Than they were now because over time things off gas, right?
0: Yeah.
1: It takes up to 15 years sometimes for formaldehyde to truly off gas.
0: That's a long time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Did that answer your question? Yeah, so, and, like what is why is formaldehyde bad? What is it? I've done a little bit of
0: research into flooring. One of my clients just bought a new build. I was telling you about this before. Right. I made sure the floors that he chose have no formaldehyde in them. So right. I definitely had to, you know, look into that a couple times. Same with his cabinets. We got low VOC paint because I I definitely believe that like the toxins in your house will degrade your health. They'll cause you
1: just
0: like sleeping next to your phone without the silent on or something. Like it's going to be buzzing you all night long. You're going to wake up. You're going to be in your house breathing formaldehyde all day. It's going to make you sick. But what is it? Why is it bad for us? And where in our house is it commonly found?
1: It's commonly found in adhesives, in carpeting, in flooring, in cabinetry, those are the, and fireplaces actually, oddly enough, gas fireplaces. Those are the main big ones. And it's, it's. That's a
0: lot of stuff. Those are the main big ones. Well, that's actually quite a lot of the house. It's pretty much most of the bare bones.
1: Right. Right. And especially the newer builds and luxury vinyl tile or luxury vinyl plank. Those have a host of chemicals in them. But then when the the contractor puts down a layer of adhesive, like you can buy the flooring without any formaldehyde in it, like you were just saying for your client. But then if the contractor puts adhesive on it that has formaldehyde, there you go. That's still, that's like a lot of it. And I I actually, there was a case that I, the, like my client won against the builder. It's a story that's it's on my website. Okay. Yeah, it's under, it's on one of my blogs. I can send that to you about that but you know formaldehyde it is it's a chemical I mean it's a chemical it's a it's a um here I've got a great book right here called what's toxic what's not let's look it up all I know is it's it's not fabulous for you and I don't know if I can do this in enough time on the podcast but oh, um, that
0: can take your time
1: yeah no so let's see if we can see it in the index I haven't used this book in a really long time
0: it looks like a scary book based on the cover it's like yellow with the <laughs>
1: There's a lot of them. I, I can recommend that this is another fantastic book by Neil Nathan, Dr. Neil Nathan. Toxic, Heal Your Body. That's a fantastic one. So I love science. I love to be able to see what's going on and the connection between certain things. I'm, I'm definitely more like, I want to see what's going on and not just, it's not just hearsay, you know? Mm, yeah. So I'm um, looking... I don't know. Oh, here we go. There was a f- ton of different pages at C198. I'd love to be able to read it to you. I mean, you could Google it too. I mean, we could just tell exactly what it is. No, it's just kind of telling you. This is mercury and formaldehyde. No, I will. Up... Yeah, it's just, it's, it says buy solid wood instead of pressed wood, particle board or veneer products. Look for products that are labeled as low in formaldehyde, ventilate rooms. But people, like I said, they don't realize how long it can off gas. Yeah. It's that new home smell, right? Mm. <laughs> that's what it is. That's that's oftentimes what that new home smell is. It's formaldehyde. So,
0: quick Google says formaldehyde is a naturally occurring organic compound with the formula CH two O. The pure compound is a pungent smelling new home smell, colorless gas that polymerizes spontaneously into. Paraformaldehyde; hence, it is stored as an aqueous. Is that how I say it? Aqueous solution. It is the simplest of the
1: aldehydes. So it. <laughs> well, it's, or it's called formalin. Yeah. So I did a a a, rec- a lab. I went and, and tested a lab once because they were complaining of some some health issues that were happening there. And when I went and tested, the formaldehyde levels were off the charts. And then I discovered they were actually storing formalin because it was a lab. (laughs) They were storing formalin right next to the offices. Like, like, like here's an office in the hallway, just vats of formalin. Oh, wow. And so I helped them to, after, you know, getting the lab results back, test results realize how high they were and then I helped them improve their quality by removing those the I guess the containers and and getting an outside storage unit for them. Good. (laughs) Yeah and I often recommend that for my clients too for they a lot of people store their stuff like paints and varnishes and everything in their garage, but that's often next to their HVAC system. And then if it's an attached garage, that's an even that's an even, uh, another way to get into the house. So you want to make sure that is sealed that, that, um, attached garage door. So there's lots. Okay. What would you seal? So like, if you're going to
0: store paint in the attached garage, what would you recommend people? How would they store that?
1: Really shouldn't. You really shouldn't store. What I recommend mostly for people, if they have to store it in the garage is to get another unit with it, with doors closed. So get like a, like a, you know, like a metal container with the yeah, like a storage outside, shed the storage shed and and then you can get the thicker seal to go around the garage door sealed and then always always keep it closed and then ventilate your garage as often as as you can and then probably when
0: you get ready to open the container that has the paint in it like the the storage shed with the paint probably Maybe open that up, take a step back, let those fumes go out before you just put your head right in it.
1: Or buy lo- by low or no BOC paint. Or that. Yeah. Or that. Yeah. Well, oftentimes people will they'll buy homes with the paint already from the previous owner to get the paint swatches and things like that. And then they could color match and do paint. We're also a distributor for AFM safe coat paints and seals and barn- seals and stains. So A lot of my clients purchase those those products to paint their homes. So, with and what
0: was the AFM Safe Coat? AFM Safe Coat.
1: coat. Yeah, if anybody wants to buy any of that stuff, they can come to us. We're a distributor. They're really great products. So, people who have new carpeting or new luxury vinyl tile um, or pre-engineered wood. You can put a sealant over that to help off, to help suppress the off-gassing rather than ripping it out. So okay. there's, there's some good products out there that work, but I always recommend test before and after to make sure that it's down to the levels where it's, it's sufficient for you.
0: Make sure that that's something that you need to do before you just go out and do it is what you're saying.
1: Right. Yeah. Because oftentimes people they just get so heightened. They read their everything on the internet and they're like, Oh, I got to do this. But you know, a lot of people are doing it out of survival. You know, a lot of people are like, like myself, I had a early mold exposure. didn't know it. And and I've had physicians over the years tell me, oh, you just have a mold allergy. No one has a mold allergy. If you are allergic to mold or you smell musty or it bothers you, you have mold in you and that mold needs to get out. What do you mean
0: mold in you? Tell me more about
1: mycotoxins. You've got mycotoxins in your body.
0: So, like you breathed in the mold and you inhaled some of the particles
1: and the mold spores. Yes. And decided to stay. They take up shop in your fatty tissue for good unless you can chelate them out with the proper medicine mm. and it can make you very sick. Yeah. So, mold is a big deal too. And, you know, we are embarking upon a partnership with one of the top toxicologists and immun- immunologists in the country to create a program that tests for both your body and your environment. So people can have a full circle and making sure because you can test your body. And um, by the way, blood testing, blood serum testing is the best way to test your body for chemicals and mold. So mymycolab.com, M-Y-M-Y-C-O-L-A-B lab.com is the best um, place to test for blood. Test for mold. And so the urine tests are not as accurate because that's, you could have had a Cobb salad with blue cheese and that's going to come up high. It's the excretion. The blood serum is what's in your body now and what's, and what's like, what's chronically in your body. So yeah, really okay, good information. So to test your body, test your home.
0: So that's sort of how you got into this as well was because you had mold in your body and then you had the formaldehyde hit you in the face when you went into the anatomy lab. and Yeah,
1: I mean, and then there's also people who are just pre-genetically or genetically predisposed to sensitivities. And so, you know, if your parent has a ton of allergies, you know, it's possible you could have allergies too. I had lots of allergies growing up, but you know it's it's such a myth out there with with mold that people think even in the Pacific Northwest where I'm at in Portland the real litters are like oh mold's everywhere it's no big deal it's it's it is it, mold is outside but it shouldn't be inside ever so that is definitely a myth for sure and there's a right way and a wrong way to treat it as well too or to test it yeah
0: People in Colorado think that, or people who don't live in Colorado or maybe aren't in real estate are like, don't realize mold can happen here in Colorado too, because it's so dry here, but we have a lot of mold and real quick. Okay. Actually it was for the EMFs. I wrote down, I wanted to ask you how you, oh no, wait, there it is. Yeah. You and your husband have the mold remediation company. Is that part of your
1: design wall studios so we are not remediators. He was a remediator. He had a franchise that tested and remediated for mold. So he does no, lo- no longer does that. But we do, cons- we do test for molds. We're coming up with our own test kit for mold as well. And then we do consult on remediation. We are actually embarking upon a um, phenomenal product partnership to be able to get this amazing plant-derived enzyme product into many remediators hands to be able to use it properly. So that's kind of what we're working on. Cool. Yeah, It's just, there's, for me, I really been through this and I see, you know, there's a right way and a wrong way, obviously to do anything. But when you kind of weed all that out and you, you kind of, you understand that there's a better way to do things that is more beneficial long-term that doesn't cause people harm in the process. And that's a win for me.
0: Well, I'm excited to hear about the plant mold. What was the word that you used? Enzyme. Thank you. The enzyme that breaks it down. I'm excited to hear more about that. Please keep me posted. But I did just look at some things that I wanted to discuss with you. So the mitigation solution for the EMFs, what is that like? And can you tell us what EMFs are
1: and why they matter? sure so part of my building biology studies it's it's really basically creating a home without harm or living in a, a home without harm and so you know even our our, our phones are great tools i'm talking to you on my my imac with technology i like technology but i think that it has a place and that we all need balance so with that, European and Canadian standards have have guidelines for exposures and 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 the reading. So with with the proper and I say proper because there's a lot of crappy meters out there that are not accurate at all. So with the proper meters that have been calibrated and that are that are they've got they've been approved by. right people in the right organizations it's really important to so emfs are electric electric magnetic fields electrical magnetic fields and so i test for electric fields and magnetic fields and so magnetic fields come from high tension power lines substations big big things that are really tough to mitigate so oftentimes people call me up and they ask me they're looking to buy a house right and it's next to either a high tension power line, meaning the big, long, like heavy loaded from like lots of houses and subdivisions carrying that frequency on there, or it's next to, you know, half a city block, big substation with cell towers and transformers. And, you know, you, you know what those are. And so people want to know, like they think, you know, that may not be such a fabulous thing, me to be living next to and so i test with my meter and that's really tough to mitigate when you have high electrical like electric and magnetic fields it's very tough to mitigate it's really really hard and so there's a threshold where you want to be able to especially in the evening when you're sleeping you really want those levels to be really low so your body can regenerate this there's the cells and your your body can heal
0: just yeah, like Canadian can
1: live read. rhythms go
0: ahead I can see why that would be really tough because like you can't move the power lines you can't move the house that's near I mean you you technically could move the house <laughs> yeah that'd be really hard yeah and and I actually live near a park right now and we have some of the really big power lines out there what did you call them Tra- uh, high tension power lines we have, I think they're high tension power lines. And I always pay attention to the trees that are around them because I've heard that
1: they don't look so good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've heard the trees will respond to the electromagnetic frequencies that come out of the electrical carrying power lines. And so I, I definitely look at them and some of them are fine, but some of them look a little extra wonky, like they're a little extra sideways or like uh, they tend, it, it could be a type of tree as well. I'm not sure if it's just sure. a type of tree, but some of them grow a little bit further out instead of up, especially if they're right underneath the power lines. It's like there's- Diversion. <laughs> yeah, there's like a field of electricity radiating out and they know kind of, they're like, okay, I can't really like push past that. So I'm just going to grow out and down. So it, it shows even in the trees.
1: Right. And the magnetic fields are below us. You know, the earth is a magnetic force, you know, in Vatsu, which is like a East Indian feng shui, they say that it's in, like, it's an, it's, if you live in the North, North America, you don't want to put your head in the North because of the magnetic pole. So you want to be in this, all the other directions. And so opposite or the same as going for, if you're in South America, put your, don't put your head in the south. It's, it's magnetic is, is very unnatural occurring things, but that's a whole other geomacy topic, but um, (laughs) which is really cool. I'll geek out. We'll do another call. We'll talk about that. But the mag, the tension power lines and the substations, you know, over time, that's going to be really tough because it acts like a virus in your body. So, I test for those things. And then I also test for radio frequency, and that's Wi Fi and cellular. So, I, as oftentimes people, they've got these outside sources that they're concerned about, but then they come into their home, their new home that is a smart home, that they have all the technology, they've got boosters everywhere, they wear their phone on them constantly, and, and they've got the, the, the routers and whatnot. And it's actually worse inside than it is outside. So that's where I help educate people too. Like technology is great, but do you need a, You know, you're a, a smart refrigerator to tell you how many eggs you have in it. Do you need a, you know, do you really need a, a doorbell that like can see people? Although people like that, they like to see what's going on. But, and I get it, it's, I, it's cool technology but it's just kind of overkill when it comes to this. We did a whole presentation a couple of years ago on the Sustainable Building Week about smart homes are not the safest for your body. So, but then, and then we also test for dirty electricity. And so we have a monitor that tests in each plug uh, or in the, you know, on the circuit and that's wiring errors or it coming from the grid. If there's something interrupted or not connected properly, that could be leaking. So dirty electricity is like leaking energy and fields out into the home environment rather than containing them in conduits. So there's ways to filter that and and cfls the the light bulbs definitely and solar have make your dirty electricity go way up so there's ways dimmer switches too that produces a lot of a lot of dirty electricity so there's there's it's just good to know like what your house is where it's at just get a pulse by doing these tests
0: so this could be kind of overwhelming for people to hear i bet
1: if you take it in stages, like you can fix the things inside your home. You can switch your light bulb. That's easy. Mm-hmm. That's no problem. You don't have to use an electric blanket. You can turn it on and get it warm and unplug it. You know, you can still do these things. You can still use your cell phone. Just turn it off at night. Airplane mode and privacy settings off. You can set and put it right next to you. There's no signal. So there's things you can still do and operate and function. It's just knowing where your hot spots are and 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 kind of keeping your body at a good distance like right now my keyboard i'm going to get a new keyboard but my as a new computer but my my keyboard and my computer they're they're definitely higher magnetic fields so i sit away from them and and know that they're there and then i'm gonna i'm gonna get a different a different keyboard to switch out for that so
0: right
1: there's a, there's creative hacks for most everything it's just that and also not all high tension power lines or substations. It depends on the, the distance, the elevation oftentimes and that are not. So there's no real rule of thumb, you know, there's, there's a guideline, but it's just, it's just really important to see and test. So
0: it sounds like just the education and awareness that these things are ought to be considered is certainly important because then as you just said it it's sort of a case-by-case basis and like the creative ways to do it so really it's just knowing that there is something to be done right really leads into the solution right I currently I wish I knew like more about my house I'm renting right now and I just moved in not long ago I wish I knew more just to to give some like (laughs) some example here my skin has been really not prime for me lately and even i actually went to the beach twice recently and and i I broke out in like a little rash on my arms and legs and i asked my mom because she's a dermatologist hopkins dermatology whoop whoop (laughs) <laughs> and, and she thinks it might actually be from the sunscreen that I was using and then when I mixed it with chlorine. And so that's been like something that's interesting with my skin, but I've never had that happen before. And I'm wondering like, is it something in the water in my new apartment that's making my skin more sensitive on my arms and face? And I called Denver Water yesterday. There's no lead pipes that lead into this building. So that was good to know about. But yeah, I, I, it's just like these minor things like, oh, this is a little different. And Like I said, my, my skin hasn't been optimal on my face lately. And I don't know if it's from the water in my new place or if it's from the stress of moving. I've been able to handle moving stress a little bit better as I've gotten older and recognize some of my patterns, but it still comes out. in its own way so that that's just my example of like i wish i knew more about my house so i can teach you
1: we actually do i do virtual environmental wellness assessments
0: okay yeah and you have those on your website now too you're able to do them online yeah in person
1: yeah so so we do it on your laptop or your phone or your ipad ipad's probably better because you can kind of i can see better And so what I do is I ask a list of questions and we go room by room into your house. And then I take notes and then I give you my observations and recommendations after that. So sometimes I'll, I mean, most pretty much every time I'll find something that needs to pay attention to, and then it's a remedy. So
0: as that is a major part of your business, the testing first, what is the price range for that for people? Do y'all calculate that based on the size of the house, bedrooms? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So each indoor air quality test vial, right? So we do a vial that we put into the pump and that tests for over two, but it covers about 2000 square feet, but that 2000 square feet has got to be fairly open. If your house is like, long and narrow and has two different sides or it has different floors then you need to do two separate tests. So we actually have a well-built lab test kit that people can do on their own and that's 495 and that comes with one VOC which tests for over 500 different types of chemicals and that people can test themselves that's for 2,000 square feet and then they can buy additional vials for 175 or if they want to add formaldehyde that's 150. We okay. have a deeper test too that you can buy. It comes with a pump, and, and the pump is reusable. You just have to buy. You just if you want to test your grandparents' place, your parents' place, your your kid's school, your you know your your grandmother's assisted living, your boyfriend's apartment, like whatever, you can take your test kit and you can just get more media and test. Okay. Yeah, so that's so really-
0: with four ninety five, you get the pump and a and a vial, and then right. after- and then a the lab report. Okay. And then after that, you can reuse the pump and just buy a new vial. which you said is like 160 ish. Cool. Yes. Yeah. That, that would be <laughs> for my clients. I've been coming up with like eco-friendly housewarming gifts. Yeah. And I told some of them to my dad, I was like, I might want to get like an indoor air quality test or like a electromagnetic frequency test, uh, home energy audit. And yep. he, he was like, Madison, no one wants that. (laughs) He said, don't get them that. That sounds like an awful housewarming gift. Like here's, here's your project to welcome to your new house. Here's a
1: new project. I probably wouldn't give them that as a house gift. What I would do is say, here's a resource for you. So Mm -hmm. here's a resource for you to, to tune in your house. And most of the time I work with people who are buyers. They're looking to buy a home. And they want to make sure the home is prime. Indoor air quality, you can fix. You can fix that 100%. If someone's sensitive and they're having issues, you can fix it. It may take a few steps to do and may cost some money to, to do some things, but you can fix it. The, air, the EMFs, that's really good to test before you actually make the investment. That's huge. And then tell, telling realtors, too, that you it would be great for you guys to, to learn how to test or to consult with me about this. Because if you list a house that is, that has high tension power lines, substation, trans, you know, transmission lines on the property or very nearby, words getting out. It might be a lot more difficult to sell. So it'd be good to know what those levels are first before you list. So you're
0: saying, yeah, as a realtor, and I'm I'm wondering like how I can include that in the inspection period because inspection it doesn't last very long. You know, you have the inspection that happens, and they'll get back to you in a couple of days, and then you have a couple of days to negotiate, and they have a couple of days to resolve it. So I'm just, I'm curious, how would that work in the inspection period? Let's just say specifically with the EMFs, because how long would that take, and and how would I get
1: someone like a kit quickly? So a meter would have to be sent over, and then they schedule an on a, a virtual EMF assessment to 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 test it properly because there's a lot of meters out there like I said are not accurate and people don't know what to look for they don't know what the guidelines are things like that so we send out a a meter to rent or to buy and then they can then I they schedule a virtual EMF assessment we do a walkthrough and then I take the notes and then I send the report
0: okay yeah and then they do
1: the the report, report the next day
0: so it sounds like as long as the realtor myself have the the kit to be able to do it then we can easily I could just give
1: that to my client and if say choose, well, if that's something that you want yeah yeah or yeah, not that would be do. that would be ideal yeah but like let them
0: use it that day and then they give it back to me
1: the only problem is is it needs to be used properly and I'm happy to consult and do that but there's a lot of things that you can and can't do like i said about mitigating or there's a lot of things that you can do so that's where the education and the consulting i think is vital when you're doing a test like this and you don't want to be an inspector you got a lot of things to be doing when you're a real estate agent you know there's a lot of a lot of checks on or a lot of li- things on your list right. so
0: yeah well that's so interesting oops i just pulled up the wrong i meant to pull up so I want to talk about, what do you want to talk about? Do you have anything that you want to tell the podcast listeners about that we haven't already covered or like dive into something a little bit deeper? You gave us those two books, which were fabulous.
1: Yeah. And no, see with another, well... Just trying to think. I think it's too overwhelming. I mean, I the toxic one, that's kind of gnarly. A healthy house that's a little bit outdated. I'll have to think about some other ones. It, this, stuff, this stuff is very geeky. There's some there's some EMF ones that I can recommend. And then definitely some stuff on biophilic design that's really, really nice. But no, I, I think I'd li- love to talk about is wellness real estate. You know, that is an emerging field. And what it, you know, there's the whole eco or green realtor certification right but there's really no connection with that you know those are those are for like energy efficiency and um sustainability for to reduce your your bill your power bills and utility bills talks all about solar and things like that but people those are mostly for building codes and Wellness real estate is really about human codes and, and taking a look at the things that we talked about today about how do people really function and operate into their, into their, their, their home and what do their air systems look like? Are they next to any, any transmission lines, um, or power or or uh, high tension power lines are what kind of building materials do they have in there? We're actually working together with a company that's called that does Pearl certification. I don't know if you remember hearing about that on the call, but yeah. we're actually um, t- talking to the CEO, I think next week or the week after when we get back to partner with them about bringing in a lot of the home wellness into their certification for energy efficiency. So we're trying to, to bring that together. So the third party, when we do our inspections, be either virtual or in person, that that's part of the Pearl certification that people can see when they're looking to sell a house, that this has been certified. And these measures with energy efficiency, solar, air quality, EMF, all those things have been checked off prior before even, you know, having all those things done. So, yeah. That's,
0: awesome. that's I, I like what you just said, the human codes instead of building codes. I and I love that within the Latitude group, we always talk about, well, what is regenerative real estate? And I actually had someone ask me that today. They said, oh, I can't wait to learn more about what regenerative real estate is. And I, this was someone I really, really wanted to talk to, like, it's a big deal that I got to talk to them. And so I got, I didn't, We didn't get into it, but after I got off the call, I was like, oh my gosh, what is regenerative real estate? Like, how am I, am I qualified to answer this? And then, (laughs) you know, just like, oh my God, what am I going to say? But I think that's exactly it is, is the human aspect to it and feeling more at peace in your home because there's less toxins, there's more engagement with the natural environment and Like I said, I just moved into this apartment, and people who listen to my podcast consistently are going (laughs) to get tired of hearing me talk about my apartment, but I was noticing- We have to document
1: our virtual assessment.
0: That'd be fine. Oh, we must. And so it's actually right next to a park, and I'm in Colorado, and so it's a very dry, arid- Park. Are you Wash Park? I'm at Paco Sanchez Park.
1: I don't know that.
0: I used to be near Cheeseman Park. And so I actually moved from a very, from one area, like Cheeseman Capitol Hill has a lot of trees, lots of gardening. It's very, yes.
1: yeah, it feels we'll really good. by the Botanic Gardens, right?
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah. And then where I'm at currently, the park is more open. And it, there's actually our RTD like rail line runs through it, which I think is cool because I can just hop on the RTD all the time. But the trees are more sparse and our there's not a lot of people who like have lived here for 30 years. So there's not a lot of gardens. There's not a lot. It's very sparse. And so I, I actually got a squirrel feeder. we have a lot of squirrels i don't know where the birds are i got some bird feeders too but i need to get bird seed but i put some squirrel feed in like this little thing and so my
1: head because i did this too when i moved to denver that i fed the squirrel and they came in my house (laughs) the squirrels literally were running like was one squirrel ran into my house i'm like no, 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 buffet is over. <laughs> the buffet line starts and ends in my yard. Oh my God. <laughs> you crossed the line.
0: <laughs> Ruined it for the rest of the squirrels.
1: I know. I hate oh when happens.
0: <laughs> but I actually just saw a couple little bees flying around it, and I thought that was really cute. And I want to plant like a, a Russian sage bush, which is not a native Colorado plant, but they do really well here, and they attract a lot of bees. So I think that's more of regenerative real estate. It's also like feeling connected to the land around you, breathing well sleeping well, knowing a little bit more about what your house is made out of so you know what to look for, what to avoid.
1: Yeah, it's At- like awareness. It's, it's like spatial environmental awareness. And mm-hmm. then Neil wrote a great article on Medium you should probably connect with your users with and on regenerative real estate and uh, from Latitude. And it, it, it really is about connecting with your property and then giving back. It's just like this really lovely give and take. Mm. Yeah. Nice. And I mean, we have a little urban farm, we have chickens, we have a organic garden, you know, we had the chickens ate my grass. (laughs) So in the winter time, it became mud fest. And so I'm like, I'm not gonna plant grass right now because it's winter. So I just had the, I called up and got some free tree trimmings or free wood chips from a from a tree company this one madrone tree fell during a storm and so i actually have some beautiful madrone big um stumps with the vines still growing on them so i have them as a table in my front yard with the two chairs like a really pretty table and then another one by our sauna out here and then another one by my son's room in his studio out there it's kind of cool but then they i put the wood chips all over where the grass was so now it it looks it's not going to stay there forever because we're going to do some stuff in the backyard but it's a good sustainable free option to be able to enjoy your backyard and and not have to like look at a mud pit and or have to put concrete or gravel or anything around it you know yeah
0: that's a small
1: example i don't even know if that has to do with regenerative but it's just it's still being able to enjoy your space without causing it any harm and using natural materials.
0: Yeah, I think it absolutely does, especially, you know, you said you, you got free wood chippings to put down, that's biodegradable, that's yeah. resourceful.
1: Yeah, yeah, and no toxins, it's all just one tree. So it was kind of a good, and I, I, I you know, we're landscape designers too, my mom's a landscape architect, and we still do consult and design on some local jobs out here mostly in the summertime, in the spring. So it's kind of fun to be outdoors and helping people with their projects. I, I don't do many of them, but I really love it. But, you know, I don't want it to, right now it does look like a traditional, like Portland backyard with chickens. And just, it's not ideal right now, but our front yard looks really good.
0: <laughs> That's okay.
1: They've been, like, actually a couple days ago, I I was talking to some neighbors as they were passing by, with their dog, and I heard my chickens. They escaped. They found a way to come underneath the fence, and I'm like, oh my god! So I've I've completely fenced them out, and and then my other one got around the other yard, and they've never done that before. So I'm like, all right, it's good. I'm gonna block them out and keep them. (laughs) They make really good eggs, so we really love them. So
0: oh yeah, I wish I had some fresh chicken eggs. My mom's friend Susan in louisiana has Mm -hmm. a lot of chickens and we got some fresh eggs last time i was in town they're so good
1: yeah i can't really eat eggs out anymore however i don't really go out and eat eggs but because of covid but it's really nice to be able to have that at home there are covid chickens we got them in april of last year (laughs) my husband's like okay And yeah, we actually lost one a few days after it was actually the day after we got it home. It just didn't make it. And then like three months after we got them, there was some serious early morning cock-a-doodle-doing going on. your husband's like oh yay there's a rooster and so we're like we called around for two weeks does anybody want this Does so then what do we do with the rooster what do we do with the rooster and nobody everybody was saying like we put them in a pot or we'll just off them like Oops. You put them in a pond, but you can't, there's, they don't, I mean, they're literally, it's awful. I feel terrible for the poor guy. And, um, so my husband, it was his choice and we decided as a, as a couple, like, okay, we're going to be responsible chicken owners and we're going to take care of the chicken ourselves. So the rooster. And so we can't, you can't have a rooster in Portland. You can't at all. It's completely against everything. And so, yeah, we and don't hate me, pee to people, or whatever. I, whoever's listening, like, we felt terrible about it, but we did. Ha- we did put him in the backyard, under the ground. Oh, okay. Yeah. I well, it was either e- I can't, I couldn't eat him. I couldn't. His name was Nugget. That was probably a bad thing, so I named him oh, food. <laughs> I cursed him. <laughs> he was prepared. <laughs> I guess anyways, well, it was great to be on your podcast. I really appreciate um, you asking me all these questions and, you know, I don't want it to be overwhelming for people because my whole career in doing this has been uh, a learning curve for me, but this is so natural for me to talk about these things. But I guess for somebody who's not heard it before can be overwhelming. And a lot of people who've had mold exposure or chemical exposure or autoimmune disease, They already have been dealing with a bunch of stuff. So it's really hard to hear, but just know that testing is key. Test your body, test your environment. So you have control and you know, if you test your body and you have high levels, you have to test your environment. Don't take any supplements until you test your environment or else you're going to keep infecting yourself Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and you're not going to completely heal. So you've got to do test both and then heal both. That's very, very important, but, and then do it in stages and work with somebody like me in environmental wellness that has close connection with some of the top doctors in the world and consults with them as well as, you know, building biology knowledge and a lot of great mitigation and remediation resources and products.
0: So how can people get in touch with you? We, I obviously will link your website, design wall studios into the show notes, yeah. um, well, what are some other ways that people could get in touch with you if they want they to? They can
1: email me direct at michelle at designwallstudios.com or they can call us at, at 503-386-2003.
0: Cool. Thank you. And I'll add that in there as well. I think you're the first podcast guest to give out a phone
1: number, so that's exciting. <laughs> well, we still have we still have people reach us through, through the phone, so... It's important. There's a lot of places that don't have phone numbers. That's strictly contact forms and people can actually contact us on our website. Under the contact form, there's, there's a form they can fill out, but it's, it's also really good to talk to people. I do have, when people call, you know, it'll, it'll be a, a short call to get the, you know, figure out how we can help them. And then if we need to schedule a longer visit, we can do that as well.
0: Well, I definitely appreciate that as someone who uh, prefers to talk
1: to somebody rather than I'm
0: sure most people do.
1: (laughs) I don't know. Some people don't, especially younger generation. I mean, my kids even, I mean, we do FaceTime with my one son lives in California and my other young son is uh, graduating this year, but they're not big phone talkers. It's just, they like to text and it's that, it's that generation. So I don't really, our phone, you can't text. It's a, it's a business phone. So I've had clients do that before. And it's just like, it gets a little bit too much (laughs) because, you know, it's, it's like people ask me to diagnose over the phone, you know, or help them over the phone where a doctor can't help you do that, you know, and I'm not comparing myself to a doctor, but it is similar in a way where, unless you're getting information that you need in order to to be able to advise them correctly. That's yeah.
0: Well, Michelle, thank you for being on the podcast. I will be in touch with you shortly to do a virtual testing, okay, uh, my place and probably in uh, some of my clients' places as well. And thank
1: you so much for being a guest. And we'll talk to you later. Thank you so much, Madison. It's been my pleasure. Have a great rest of your weekend. Thanks. Podcast
0: listeners, as always, thanks for being a guest in my eco-friendly home today. I really hope you learned something new, and I hope you find a way to implement this into your life so you too can create your eco-friendly home. As always, I'm available to direct message on Instagram at movingwithmadison, and besides my podcast, I provide services as a real estate change agent in the Denver metro area, specializing in helping you buy, sell, or create your eco-friendly home. Something that this podcast is helping me get better at each and every day. When you come back over, please bring those cookies again. They were really good and I'll see y'all next time.